there were some songs that had like really cool chords and really cool yeah. grooves. I remember like She's America. Yo, man, that, oh, that's my favorite one. Yeah, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, same. But I was drawn in by those chords and, and the cool production. But then after a while, I let it start letting all their stuff just affect me rather than intellectualizing anything. I just yeah. let it, What like, how did I feel about this music? And it made me incredibly open. And, I, and, and honestly, I think most people outside of musicians, because yeah. you speak to any normal person, you're like, oh, like, what do you listen to? Like, no, nobody says, oh, I listen to rock or like jazz or whatever. People just say, everyone, I, you know, when I go on dates, I'm like, oh, do you, you know, what you listen to? They're like anything, anything and everything. If it makes you feel something, then I'll listen to it. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I really learned through listening to the 75. And it kind of opened me up to just like letting pop music affect you. Yeah. If it's got like a great vocal where somebody's going in and really yeah. expressing themselves, like that's amazing. Hello, welcome to the Keys Coach Podcast. My name's Adam, and if you're a piano or keys player, then you're in the right place. This is the podcast where we talk all things music with piano and keys players from around the world. Today, we're chatting with the amazing Connor Albert. He's a producer, songwriter, keys player, guitarist, drummer. He's unbelievably talented, writes incredible songs, and I'm a huge fan of his music. So it's great to chat with him about his journey so far. We actually recorded this podcast back in the summer and I've been holding this episode back as we chatted for ages. I think we chatted for about three hours and this is one of my favourite episodes so far. Connor shared so many insights into how we got started on the piano, how we got into songwriting and production, why the emotional connection to the music you make is so important and we also chat about why Connor took a break from social media. This was a super fascinating conversation. I really hope you enjoy listening to it. For those of you who have listened to the podcast for a little while, I'm beginning to add some short piano tutorial videos to Instagram. Go and check them out. You can go and follow us over there at The Keys Coach. We're also going to be ramping up our video production in the new year, so do go ahead and follow us over there. There's going to be lots of content coming your way very shortly. Okay, let's dive into it. Here is the conversation I had with the amazing Connor Albert. Connor, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, really excited about this conversation. So, I mean, I've like followed your music for so for so long now. I think I, I was thinking back, because I've been checking out all your music all this week. I was thinking back to when I first discovered you, and I think it was through those Disclosure Twitch streams back during oh, the no lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, where like, I did like a solo on that Christmas song or something something there was one before that as well though but I just remember because I got did you watch them all right I, I I tuned in like here and there yeah yeah they I just found them like I thought they were absolutely incredible and then at one point Howard like showed his phone and it was like a video of one of your reels or something or, or something you'd done oh. and and I was like oh cool gotta go and check him out so and then ever since then I've been like following your um your kind of journey which has seemed to be super super interesting and like fast and exciting so I thought it'd be cool just to chat about how you got started in music in the first place so you grew up in Basingstoke right yes I did so how did how how how, how did you find that how did music come into your life at that stage um it was it, it was like probably when I was like eight or so uh my dad got me a guitar and kind of installed this like music production software on the family right. computer that kind of I think like within a week of each other or something. But yeah, anyway, sorry to answer your question. It was just like, my dad just got me some software on the family computer, got me a guitar. Yeah. 
So you didn't have a teacher or anything. You were literally just completely teaching yourself. Was it was YouTube like involved quite a lot in your learning, or was it mostly just by ear and that kind of thing? Um, early on, it was uh, my dad probably taught me like I think he gave me like two lessons on guitar. I remember he taught me "Sweet Child of Mine." Classic. Maybe like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and and maybe like "Smoke on the Water" and something. And then the rest I kind of did by ear. The, the one thing my dad really did teach me. And it was it wasn't like this wasn't like a lesson per se, but every night he would just sit in front of the TV and like go through MTV or whatever and just play along, just like play the pentatonic scale to yeah. just like random songs that would come up on MTV. And I remember watching him do that, and I was like, oh well, how do, how do you do that? And he and he taught me how to like find the key of the song, like how to find the minor pentatonic of any song. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that. You know, even though that wasn't really a, a, a lesson, it wasn't like anything formal or whatever. I think that was that, t- that taught me to just like like play by ear at a very early age, like probably like nine or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people start earlier, but, but it was early for, for me at least. That's really interesting, though, because um, I was just kind of thinking as you were saying that, I guess being able to find the key some things in is mm. kind of like the first step of playing by ear, isn't it? It's not actually necessarily even working out what's going on. It's literally just working out what key something's in, being able to find like the root the root note. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a, I mean, because I learned it when I was a kid. I remember I did piano, I taught piano lessons like five years ago or something when I started, when I moved up to London. And uh, I remember bringing students in, you know, I'd, I'd only, I didn't really know how to teach, to be, mm. to be, to be totally honest. I, I, I was kind of, blagging it sometimes and and uh you know people would come in and they'd be like well you know how, how do i learn this chord progression and and i'd be like well okay you kind of and i try and like, describe how i knew what key something was in yeah, yeah yeah and 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 i had no idea how to explain it you know yeah. and I, I think that's just been something that's i was just very lucky to have that ingrained in me at an early age and i think and i think that that whole concept just gives you a very it gives you kind of a more visceral connection to music, you know, yeah. in, in, in a way, or at least I feel like it did for me because, because my sister did the opposite. My sister went in the classical route right. and just spent all her time just reading off a page. And yeah. I, I, I always was like, I don't, I don't know what I thought. I don't, I don't want to like diminish the, the experience that classical musicians have. But um, I don't know, there was something about that connection to music, that being inside music by being able to like hear it and and play along and improvise that was just very deep and visceral for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely yeah. get that. I think being able to improvise, like a lot of people on this podcast have been saying that actually, that if you can just start off improvising, that's such a, a valuable thing just to be able to sit down mm. and have a go at playing no matter what it is. Even if you're just like thinking of trying to create like an emotion or a sound or something, I think that's so important when people are learning. I think if you if you go in straight away with just playing what's on the page, it kind of in some ways, <laughs> I don't know, it sort of is only half the picture in a way. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I agree, man. And um, yeah, I think I think... I think honestly, improvising is pro- probably one of my f- most favorite parts of, of, of music as a whole. It's, it's, it feels like the most true creative expression, like, yeah. uh, and, and, or at least to, to express what you're feeling in that moment, you know? So it's something I've been trying to like figure out a lot recently to really hone into how you're feeling in, in the current moment and try and be like very present in the yeah. current moment and, and, and play 
exactly what you feel. And I know, and I remember like when I was growing up, you'd always read that. You'd always be like, well, just play with feeling. Mm. And I never really understood what that means until like, I mean, I, I definitely have a long way to go to understand what that truly means. Um, when did the piano come in? Like, was that, were the, were the two things like running alongside each other or they, was it very much that you started with guitar and then piano came in much later? Yeah, piano uh, came when I was like 16, I think, 15, 16. Right. I was lucky to have like a pretty well stocked music department in the school I went to. There were like, just, I don't know, probably like 10 pianos in like various practice rooms around the school. And um, there would just always be one free. And uh, basically, I, I'd broken up with my girlfriend at the time. And she was like, like her whole friend group was my friend group. And I felt really awkward, like right. going back and being in the friend group now that we'd broken up. And so like after we broke up, I, I became like quite solitary in school and basically spent the entirety of year 11 just like in the music department in practice rooms just like playing piano and um yeah so, so that was how it, how it started nice 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 okay that sounds good that sounds very similar to me in a way <laughs> really similar you got similar story. yeah 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 similar story how did you learn chords and things like that was it completely copying off a like a recording like you like you were talking about with your dad mm. was there a, like a was there some kind of system to it okay um you, you might have to give me a sec because I've never actually thought about this. No, it's fine. It's good. Um, <laughs> That's the reason why I'm trying to do this podcast, by the way, is to work out how people like you who who appear to just sit down at a piano mm. and improvise. How do you actually learn how to do that? And like, what are the first kind of steps to even begin to get get to that get to that place? Yeah, yeah. So I think, well, firstly, I developed a really strong love for jazz harmony. I think that was the foundation of it. I just remember being totally enamored by dense chords. And I think I think when when you love something so much and and you want to be inside something so much, yeah. it kind of naturally you naturally have like a, a a very strong inclination to find out what that feeling is, at least if you're a musician already, right? And so I think I just spent a long time I think it was initially by ear, just doing notes on the piano until yeah. I figured something out. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And yeah, I remember, yeah, this is all coming back to me now. I remember I could only play an A major because that was like, I think there was like an FKJ song that was in F major or something. Right. And that was like the only, and I remember I knew the A major pen pentatonic and all my songs would be in A major which is so funny now because I hate playing in A major now. It's like my <laughs> least favorite key. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I remember like just like kind of having that as a basis and then I would like transpose stuff around and I was doing a lot of production. So I'd play in the MIDI and then if I wanted a different key, I'd move just it. move stuff up. So I did that for a while. And then I suppose when I got into FKJ, I think I could, he would just use the same voicings on pretty much every song and they'd always be just like root position, like major or minor sevens. Yeah, And I always say... I don't think I've said this in an interview, but I always say to people like, I think FKJ is like the Ed Sheeran of piano playing. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that's like an insult. It's, I, I don't see it as an insult in any, in any yeah. way. I think it's like extremely accessible jazz piano playing. Yeah. He kind of just add, added sevenths and ninths and there were only major sevens, only major nines, mm. only minor nines. Like there was never any like crazy chords, but they were dense enough for them to like perk my ear. Yeah. And... And so I started learning those and getting a very kind of diatonic, fairly rudimentary sense of jazz piano. Right. And then I started thinking about 
like keys. So I remember I started thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything in C major now. And so I learned like, okay, well, so I can do it like a major nine here for C and then I can do like a minor 13. I, I, I like figured out how many extensions I could add yeah. before I like went outside of the key. Right. Okay. I don't know if this is like too technical for the podcast, but like, you know, like you can't play an E, you can play an E minor seven in C major. Yeah. And it be within C major. Yeah. But you can't play an E minor nine yeah, within yeah, yeah. C major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I and and I understood that and I I I started to like figure that out. And and then what I started to do was sorry, this is quite long-winded, but I'm No, this really... is brilliant. Considering you've never thought about this, this is incredibly like <laughs> in depth. This is great. Oh well, well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully somebody will get something out of this. But yeah, so I started doing that. And then what I started doing was listening to pop songs or just or just any songs and just like hearing for what the bass notes were mm. and then even if it was like a really basic pop song i'd then like superimpose like the jazz versions so if okay. it was like a like a one six two five chord progression that was like extremely simple and it was just mm. using triads then i'd like superimpose void upper notes or whatever yeah like extensions and all that it, kind of thing. yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The extensions on it and i started doing that over just like every song that i listened to um, and I, I, and it became a ritual. It's still something I do like now where yeah. whatever I'm listening to, even if it's like a really simple pop song, I will just play it and just play piano over it and just do the most ridiculous chords I can do over it. Substitutions and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, but like still try and make it work as if I was just like playing like a, like a jazzier part to, to their song. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's quite interesting because that's very similar to like a kind of gospel approach mm. to it as well. Like if you look, yeah. you know, like take a hymn and then looking at how many ways you can get around it. And I guess that's the same with jazz, but it's just, uh, I've, I haven't really heard of anyone doing that with kind of pop songs like you do. So that's really cool to know that that's how you practice that. I think you're so right, actually. Yeah. I think I never really, you know, I never went to a gospel church or whatever. Um, yeah. And I never really got into gospel musicians until quite later on. But um, I yeah. think I think you're probably right. I think I always thought in numbers. Right. Like from very early on, as soon as I figured out what that system was. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I guess, you know, you kind of ask, like, was there YouTube involved or whatever? And I think there there was some. But honestly, m most of it came from just sitting at the piano for hours and just like figuring out stuff in my head and and just recognizing patterns yeah sorry for the very convoluted explanation there no 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 man that's so good i love the way that you just at the beginning of that you said i haven't really thought about it and then you explained exactly how you've done it i think we're into quite a lot of similar music actually are you a big fan of 1975 oh hell yeah yeah man they're my favorite band. yeah you did like a playlist or something where you put together like all your favorite stuff and i was going through it and i was like oh my god there's so much 1975 in there and i just i love that band i think they're so wicked yeah. and what they do with harmony and what they do they are in a key but they don't ever really go to the one and they sort of create these kind of like suspended kind of mm -hmm. sequences are so yeah cool. so um, so much of their music yeah i mean weirdly there's the links to gospel are, are, are quite there like obviously there's a lot of like gospel choirs in their music I, I always think of their songs as like number system songs because they're yeah. always like a pedal. Like if we're in C major, it would just be like G and C, just constant. Yeah. And then they're just changing the bass notes. And yeah. when you do that, like it makes like really interesting harmony. 
you know yeah of course it does yeah because it's less in the box it's less like triads or, or chords moving mm. about it's less angular whether like the one and five are going straight through it but then the bass notes are changing it's um, yeah 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 i love i love that sound in fact i think that's the way that people should learn piano mm. well this is this is my personal opinion but i think one of the things people get taught first of all are like the chords one four and five in a key mm-hmm. right on piano whereas actually i think it'd be better just to be taught like we were talking about earlier have the key notes in your right hand like the root and the fifth and then play about with moving the left hand and see what it feels like and just come up with your own sequence. And then that just means you're thinking a bit more horizontally rather than vertically. Yeah. Because we've all been there where people are just playing like root position triads and it doesn't really sound like music. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, if you can get people just to play one and five and like then move the bass notes, suddenly you've got something that sounds like a yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what you said about like how it makes you feel, you know, that that's the that's the operative thing for me. It's like like yeah. doing that forces you to to think emotionally about the piano rather than yeah. like looking at it as a as a some kind of tool to yeah play triads or whatever yeah i remember i had i had this thing for universal audio once where jack duxbury was hosting it and he was talking about like the fifth root and ninth and then and then another fifth on top like like the g c d g thing and then and then just playing like different notes and um and i love that sound man because then because then you can put in like an a flat in the bass yeah you can change it i mean it's things like it's things like that because then you learn what it it's like what what going to chord four feels like mm. i think it's i just think it's a really interesting way of learning that maybe might get people out of that kind of root position triad thing that people yeah. sometimes get stuck and it in, sounds better you know. just objectively it sounds so much I better think. as well but the 1975 were definitely the band that opened that up for me mm. as well so that's so cool so how did you find how did you find moving to london um how did i find it i'm trying i was i'm trying to give you an honest answer of how i really like felt about it because did you did you move to London for uni or did you just move here just because you wanted to move here? I it's a bit of both, um, m- more the latter. So I, I went to ACM in Guildford yeah. because it was like close to Basingstoke and some of my friends were going and stuff. And so I went to ACM and like quite enjoyed it. I had a good time. I, I, I met some people while I was there who, who lived in London and they were like, oh, well, maybe you could like come up and move in with me in London. And I was like, yeah, why, why not? I've got nothing to lose. And, uh, oh, and it was because the rent prices in Guildford were so high. Right. Unless you wanted to live like four miles down the road, like I just couldn't afford yeah. it. And so weirdly, like, London was actually like way cheaper rent wise, at least at the time. And and so I was like really like seriously considering it. And I was umming and ahhing for ages. Um, but then I was just like, I'll, I'll just m- move. And so I spent like six months living in London, but commuting back into Guildford. And then I was like, this is so stupid. And and thankfully I was in my first year, so I could transfer. And so mm. and so I transferred to Goldsmiths like six months, like nine months into my ACM degree. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, it was it was kind of like quite lonely and horrible at, at first. For right. for the first six months, you know, when I was doing that commuting back into Guildford, I, I wasn't really doing anything. I was I was living in this room that was two by two meters. It was like a cupboard basically yeah and uh i had no space i I was like quite quite sad to be honest it it wasn't it wasn't a good a good time particularly um but what what happened is i was doing this sessions with this girl called carmody who i'd been like a fan of for a while and i just messaged her out the blue and just asked if she ever wanted to work on anything together and we had like one mutual friend and um this guy called albert who, who who introduced us and 
anyway, so we were having some sessions together and I think we'd have like, we'd have like two. And then six months into me living in London, I'm like, why am I here? Like, I feel so lonely and horrible. And uh, she just gives me a call and she's like, oh, I'm going on tour. My keyboardist is pulled out. Can you like fill in and come on tour with me? And then everything kind of changed from from that point onward. Uh, well, before we did the tour, our first proper show was supporting Tom Mish's album launch. And I remember that being a very weird and surreal moment for me because it was like instantly the biggest show I've ever, the biggest crowd I've ever performed to. And and I was a big fan of Tom. Um, I was a big fan of Jess as well. Like, like you know, yeah, yeah. it was quite surreal to be working with her. And yeah, and then, and then we did that tour and she introduced me to loads of people. She introduced me to my label while we were on tour as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I always say this, like I have so much to thank for 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 Jess for like giving me that opportunity really early on. I mean, it was so it was amazing experience as a keys player and as like a I guess I was doing pseudo MD work as well. And and that was an amazing experience. But just the people I got to meet, the the connections I, I got to make um during that kind of year while we were touring together is just totally invaluable. And there's no way I would be here talking to you if if it wasn't for it. So, oh, that's so, so good. yeah shout out to Jess if which is probably not yeah, this yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about how it went on from there then. So after you did that tour with Jess and all of that kind of thing, how did things begin to kind of, because you've collaborated with so many different people now, how did those collaborations kind of happen? Was it all like someone messaging you or was it people you met at gigs? How did all those things kind of like spiral? Because mm. it seems like it very much did kind of spiral in a way after that. Yeah, I think uh, once, once again, I haven't thought about this in a while, so bear with. I think... During that time when we were touring, I was I was quite eager to 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 work with everyone and kind of I was quite like I don't I don't want to say hungry because I didn't really have a goal in mind, but I just really was like very open to everyone and everyone's mm. like music. I was like a fan of everything and everyone. I just wanted to yeah, just like pick everyone's brains and just make loads of music. So I think it just naturally yeah. came out that every time I would see someone or bump into someone, I'd be like, oh, we should make some music, man. And then and then I'd actually follow through with it. <laughs> <laughs> which is like yeah, the classic yeah, yeah. thing at jams where you like you say yeah we should jam man we should like make some music sometime and then it never happens but I really like tried to follow through with everything and and I was just doing sessions basically every day or like every other day and I think I did that for like a year and a half and, and I was also signed like I said so I, I met uh this label while I was on tour with Jess and they uh very uh, amazingly signed me and once I started putting music out I think it gave me more of like an impetus to start like making more music in general so so yeah, I think that kind of helped but the big help was they the, the label had a studio that was free on the weekends oh, wicked. And, and and the evenings and because the label just started and I was like the second signing or something the the guy who was running the label was like you can use this whenever i'm not using it like just just go for it and so i started doing a lot of sessions in there and um and i think that was really the start of it because because it was in a kind of complex of four studios and there were two that were like on long-term let the one i was using and there was a guy next door called barney lister and i remember just one evening before uh, just like just before Christmas or something, uh, he was like out in the smoking area and we were just having a chat. And uh, he was like, "Well, I'm I'm going away for a couple months for for um for Christmas. Uh, like, do you want to use the studio? Like, it's it's free if you want to use it." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that'd be amazing." And then I think that honestly was the start of like me really taking like 
sessioning like working with people really seriously like that was I, I still think to this day was the most productive point in my life because I had the studio that was sick as well it was totally kit yeah. out best speakers like I'd ever heard at the time and like so much cool gear I had a whirly and I remember yeah going to that studio every day for, for like two and a half months or something yeah I was doing like sessions there I was doing um I was making the videos there. Yeah. So when you say when you say you were doing sessions there, what does that mean just for anyone who's listening? Like when you're saying you're doing sessions, what is that? Is that writing? Is that producing? Is that bringing other artists in? Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of kind of a bit of everything. I had my own artist project that um, I wanted uh, like vocal features on. Uh, yeah. So I was like bringing people in to like write some stuff for that. But then I was also doing uh, sessions for other people, producing for other people's stuff, writing for other people's stuff, um, playing on other people's stuff. I, I did some bass stuff once. But uh, but yeah, that's all I mean by session. Just like having somebody in and and just working on music together in, in whatever capacity. And just like you mentioned earlier that you got signed by a label. Just for anyone who's listening, you might not be aware what that kind of means what what is being signed by a label what does that kind of give you and what why why would you get signed by a label why would that be of interest to you well um i suppose label deals come in many different forms and the one i was signed to initially was uh i guess atypical to to what maybe the average person thinks of a label deal like what I signed was you know I didn't get any money from it I didn't get any money up front or whatever um mm. All I signed was like a 50-50 deal for them to just release what I was doing and market it to the best of their ability. I didn't even have a marketing budget. And actually, you know, I had to get a lawyer at the time and my lawyer advised me against doing it. But I, I just thought it would be like a good a good idea for whatever reason. I just had a hunch. And so I went ahead and, and did it. But like that type of label deal, like I say, is, is pretty... I don't know. I feel like when you hear of like, oh, I got signed or I got signed to a label, like, you know, oh, I, I got like millions of pounds and I got this crazy recording <laughs> budget. And I, you know, but it definitely wasn't that. It was very low key. And um, but but what it did give me was access to that studio. And, and that was that was invaluable. You mentioned you did all your videos there. So mm -hmm. one of the things I did want to talk to you about is I'm sure a lot of people want to talk to you about this because I, I think you're you're when I think of like music on Instagram I immediately think of you and a few other people that I see I'd love to ask you what it's like to blow up on Instagram that's basically what happened to you right? yeah and I think I'd love to first of all ask you do you think it's possible to be an artist in this day and age without social media do you think that's do you think that's actually possible now um well like well the answer is yes I mean you you can definitely be an artist I suppose whether your reach is curtailed by doing yeah. no social media that's kind of what i mean is it how would you get your name out there without it now i don't know to be honest because there are plenty of artists that um that don't actually do it like i, I think of like black country new road and they right. don't really um do much of anything on social media yeah um same kind of goes in a, in a let you know there was this girl pink panthress who kind of blew up on tiktok uh last right. year she was kind of blowing up in the, in the same kind of time i i was but in a much bigger way and she was on social media but you know the type of social media content that she did was a lot uh a lot lower i, I i'm gonna say lower effort but it, it doesn't diminish the quality of the art 
you know, if, mm. if that makes sense. It was just like, I, th- I think, I don't know if you have to put that much effort into social media if the, the only stipulation being that your music is really good. Um, and uh, look, I, I don't want to put myself down too much, but I, I think personally I did the opposite. I think I focused a lot into social media and yeah. less so into my actual music. Um, right. And, okay. and I, I, my personal belief is if you've got amazing music and you've got yeah. like at least a little bit of a fan base who's going to listen to it, I think actually you probably don't need to do that much social media stuff, to be honest. Um, oh, interesting. I, I, okay. I, I think, and I think like people like Black Country New Road are a great example. They don't do anything. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, like, you know, they've got legions of fans, like thousands of people go to their shows, you know? So, um, so yeah. Do you, I, I saw on your Instagram that you said you were taking like a little, you've been taking a little break from social media. Is that something you're still kind of doing? And what kind of triggered that kind of break? Did mm-hmm. you, what, what, what was the, what was behind that? Well, um, um, I've never really talked about it, this with with anyone. This is this is interesting. I've never really thought about this that hard. But I, th- I think I think it probably came from what I kind of just touched on. I, I think uh, I think my priorities have shifted. The social media media thing was very fun, but I found myself I found myself creating things that I knew people would like rather than necessarily what what i like um right okay and yeah. I, I suppose like pandering to an audience in a sense yeah do, doing what i know would get a bunch of likes and, and not focusing on the art itself I, I i'll be totally honest this is this is exactly what's happened right so i signed to a label uh to a different label to my previous one and um, yeah. like uh six months ago or something and uh i after i signed i was just kind of like like what what am i do- like what am i doing this for really like am i a musician am i an artist to make cool little instagram clips that don't really go anywhere or or do i have something a bit more to offer the world and you know to to be as humble as possible i i think i have a bit more to offer to the world hopefully yeah, course, yeah. than 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 these cool little Instagram videos. And, um, and so I, I just t- started taking the concept of artistry a bit more seriously. I think, right. I think I was definitely with those videos, they were very fun and um, I, you know, they gave me a fan base, which is totally, totally invaluable. And, and I'm so happy that I did it, but I think I've got to kind of step back now and think, like what does an artist actually do? I, I think an artist makes novel and unique works and doesn't fall yeah. into derivation. And and I think I was slightly starting to do that, <laughs> you know. Right. So, okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's the honest answer. No, that makes complete sense, and that takes such a, a big mature step to be like, actually, I'm going to stop doing this thing that's that's actually getting me loads of likes. I'm actually going to focus now on my my writing so maybe we should chat about your writing now because like you've written so many things and I think I think one of the things I wanted to ask you was just like what does a typical day like look like for you in terms of writing do you do do you kind of is it something you're doing all day or is it like right I just do two hours in the morning or how, mm. how does that work because you're you're clearly putting out so many so much different music and working with so many different people It'd be cool to get just a sense of how it works well up until like six months ago it, it, right. it was just a case of like having somebody in it was it was just very collaborative to be honest um i was 
I was very rarely not working with other people. Um, okay. Uh, and I think, you know, for the videos I did, th those were me by myself. But I think a lot of them were informed by the session, the sessions that I would have had prior. Like, I think um, yeah. some of the, when I was most prolific, were definitely in the periods where I was doing loads of sessions outside of the videos I was creating myself. Um, yeah, lots of ideas flowing. And yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I think just being surrounded by like a, a musical community is, 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 is just that, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a big thing to have. I, I think I, I, I think I've personally seen musicians who have kind of gone off and been slightly nomadic and I think they make slightly worse music once they start doing that. You know, I, I think that that sense yeah. of musical community is at least for me is like a pretty important thing. So yeah, I, I think in terms of like what my writing process is, I think that's, that's the the background of it and that's always got to be there and then the foreground is like uh, yeah usually just like there's just a melody in my head that I'll usually like put that melody into a piano part or into a guitar part and I'll usually like harmonize it on on the piano or on the guitar and then I'll just kind of do the drums and do the bass and then and then sometimes it's the other way around sometimes I'll have like a drum loop and then I'll like play stuff over it like like there's a song called piano joint and that that was that that was just like me playing over some drums and trying to do like the gospel -y michael mcdonald thing and trying really yeah, hard yeah, yeah. to do it <laughs> convincingly yeah uh but but these days in the last like six months while i've been doing more stuff alone it's it, yeah it's usually just a melody that comes into my head and then i'll harmonize it on the piano and then build a beat around it and i think i don't know i'm i'm more happy with that process it feels a bit more natural and organic doing it that way do you do you work on lots of songs at the same time or do you tend to see mm. one right the way through and then start the next one or have you got like loads of ideas kind of bubbling away and you kind of pick which one you're going to work on um man uh it, it, it it's just totally random at this point it, it, it's it's sometimes the first thing you said and sometimes the second thing, yeah the second thing you said like um at the moment there's like nine or ten I'm, I'm making an album so there's like nine or ten things that i think are going to be on the record and i think honestly it's like it's quite a struggle to do i think it was a lot easier when i was just like making these things for instagram because uh you could just put them out and, and be done with them there was a, a sense of quick turnaround maybe yeah a quick turnaround but yeah like you had the, like it just it's it, it's done when you put it out like you can't change mm. it anymore and now now i can change things as much as i like and, and yeah. i don't know whether i really really uh i don't think it's very efficient but um but i think the end product will be better yeah 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 so you're writing this album primarily on your own are you or are you still collaborating with lots of artists on this album Pri primarily on my own yeah i i don't think there might be like one feature right okay on the record but i, I really want to just see what it's like yeah for, for 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 me to do it all myself and then if it flops and it's a massive failure then um oh man, then I'll, I'll go back to like being a collaboration thing but um but yeah we'll see we'll see how do you go about finding what your own music is because if you spent so long collaborating mm. with like other artists and for feeding off their ideas and maybe feeding into the sort of music they've done before or suddenly when you have to sit down on your own and think what is me <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean what yeah. is me, but you yeah, kind of know, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. What? How has that been? 
Oh man, I, I, I'm so happy you asked that because that's something I've been thinking about so much recently. Yeah. I think, uh, so when you collaborate with anyone, you, you've, got, you've got to compromise in some sense, um, uh, just, just to be a nice person. Like, like yeah, yeah. Th- there would be certain things that the artists on the records would do that I personally wouldn't do myself. And yeah, it would be horrible of me to just be like, no, you should just change this right now. And mm-hmm. like, but like say it for like, every line or whatever and and um uh not that it's just horrible but also it's like it's their expression and and they have a right to their expression if they're featuring on on your art right but but i always remember that feeling always being there of 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 being like well i don't think this is quite right for me you know and but i just didn't have the i didn't have the confidence nor did i have the accreditation or whatever to, to, to be like, Oh, well, I'm just going to write this song and just get someone to sing over it. And, and, and I think it's, it's just been like a lot of years of that where like, I've always just been slightly, slightly compromising in everything I've ever put out because, because I've had to, because they've been collaborative things. But now for the first time, I've just been really, trying to hone in on like, what, do, what do I actually like? Um, because after doing like five years of like collaborating with people, you, you, you start to slightly lose sight of, or at least this is what happened to me. I, I started to lose sight of what I actually liked and what actually made me feel good. Mm. Um, and I started to start to, I started to make things that, um, were more like derivative and, and, less individual because because my my sense of feeling towards my own music was starting to get lessened I think in part to because of other people's expectations and and, and opinions on on what I do but I I think really I I do know what what turns me on musically um the music I love you know, I love the 1975, mm. you know, so much. Um, I love pop music. Yeah. I, I, I love all these things. When you say, when you say pop music, sorry, what do you mean pop music? Cause that's such a yeah. big term. Like that means so many things to different people. Like that means like, can mean Justin Bieber to one person or it can also mean loads yeah. of other things as well. I'll double down on the Justin Bieber. I, I love that side of pop. I love the Justin Bieber. I love Ariana Grande. Mm. I love, I love all that side of music. What I love so much about it is I think the best pop artists blur the line between this kind of individualism that you get from like a proper like indie artist who like is just doing it for themselves and and fans see that express that like really pure expression as a reflection of themselves and yeah. it like that like really draws them to them. Um, but then you get like the pop artists on the other end that are singing songs that don't mean anything to them aren't individual at all, but they have a great voice. They have a great aesthetic yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it all works. But I, I think the best pop artists are the ones that do it in the middle and you know, they'll have a song that is the pop banger for the charts. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. And it's, mm. you know, it's whatever it was written by somebody else, but you know, you've got to do it to stay in the game or whatever. And then they'll also have the tunes on the record that are deeply personal. And I think 75 do that really well. Yeah, and I think people like Taylor Swift does yeah. that really well. Yeah. Uh, Ariana Grande does that really well, I think. Um, and also, I think a lot of these people are just like amazing musicians and they amazing are. singers. Have you checked right? out those, those Ariana Grande like backing vocal videos where she's just doing all those different 
yeah what oh, she my. engineers all her own she's stuff she's like as insane well. i just couldn't believe that yeah. when i watched it. i was like wow you know that is like this the amount of like musicianship and like all of it and just the power in her voice is just absolutely insane um oh my god absolutely yeah. man yeah she, she's she's one of a kind and i i think sometimes as you know as as musicians um i'm not speaking for for for, for you or, or or for me necessarily but just sometimes i notice people kind of slightly look down on pop popular music mm. i i think it's i think people often look down on it due to a lack of technicality yeah um uh like you know that guy rick beato yeah 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 like he does that video like every few months where he goes through the top 10 yeah and you he ever seen this it. yeah he slates it a bit, he slates he? it <laughs> but 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 every every video he's like <laughs> i'm never gonna get on the rick beato youtube channel now after saying this but um he's he's like he, he, every every video he's like oh this chord progression i've heard it a million times or like or like he's like uh oh i like that bass sound or whatever or like oh that groove is really cool. oh i love the way it's produced but never once i've watched all of those videos because i find it interesting yeah. to like hear his opinion on things but like never once does he say oh i really like the lyrics mm. of that i really like how personal or how much emotion was put into the vocal yeah, yeah, delivery yeah. here you know he, he he never like really gets to the, what the heart of the song is and i, I just notice that in musicians mm. sometimes like there's there's a level of sophistication in well what what did leonardo da vinci say uh simplicity is the ultimate sophistication yeah, or whatever exactly. and Find i, I the think there's so much yeah. truth to that yeah 100%. um i think the 75 actually was a really big turning point for me because i was that musician up until i heard the 75 and when i heard the 75 i was drawn in by there were some songs that had like really cool chords and really cool yeah. grooves. I remember like She's American. I Yo, man, that that's one. such a, uh, that's my favorite one. Yeah, it's like so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And like their intros Same. were always like so amazingly scaped with kind of these soundscapes and all this kind of stuff. You should, yeah, have you checked yeah. out their Tape Notes podcast that they did? They yeah, did an interview on Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're so good. But I was drawn in by those chords and, and the cool production. But then after a while, I just started letting it just, I let it started letting all their stuff just affect me rather than intellectualizing anything i just yeah. let it what like how did i feel about this music and it made me incredibly open mm. to music and I, and, mm. and honestly i think most people outside of musicians i think musicians are the kind of the least open people <laughs> to music because yeah. you speak to any normal person you're like oh like what do you listen to like no nobody says oh i listen to rock or like or like i listen to like yeah. jazz or whatever like people just say everyone I, you know, when I go on dates, I'm like, oh, do you, you know, what are you listening to? They're like anything, anything and everything. If it makes you feel something, then I'll listen to it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And like, and I think that's what I really learned through listening to the 75. And it kind of opened me up to just like letting pop music affect you. Yeah. If it's got like a great vocal where somebody's going in and really yeah. expressing themselves, like that's I can amazing. really move you. Yeah, can't it? It <laughs> yeah. can really move you in a, in, a, in a way that other music doesn't, you know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting. I think I think that's that's so refreshing to hear you say that because it's such a complicated debate. But yeah, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, I love intellect intellectual music. Yeah, like I, I love that side of music a lot. But I, I think there's a weird paradox going on where people in jazz school or like in music education are listening to things that were created with so much heart and so much 
uh, emotion poured into them, but then taking them in as if it's like a, some intellectual exercise to be studied when, when, when that wasn't the, that wasn't the point of the music at all. Yeah. And I suppose you have to do that in order to have an education in music mm. in some sense. But, but I think you, you have to kind of realize that when you're taking it in, like this was a very, very pure artistic expression. You know, a lot of these guys were like super fucking high while yeah. they made it yeah. and, and, and were just like totally just feeling so much yeah. as they were playing. And, uh, and then you're taking it and, and you've got to learn from it, obviously, but then you've got to take that same attitude when you play. Yeah. But I don't think that connection's ever made, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, Sometimes it is, but I don't know. Uh, one of the tracks I'm a massive fan of is Crescent Moon, oh, yeah, which thanks. is yeah, it's absolutely wicked. And I actually used it in a class. So I teach a lot of the musicianship at Trinity Love on the on the popular music course there. And I actually used it as my example to show how you can really use four minor in a key. Like we were just saying earlier on, really create an emotional pull when you use that chord. Mm -hmm. It's wicked. And you've worked with James a lot. I mean, how did that collaboration come about? Um, I believe, I think I started working with Lily Agnes a bit and then Lily introduced me to James they, they were working on an EP together and I think oh no 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 this was it um yeah that happened but then I saw on James's story that his Wurlitzer was broken like a key wasn't yeah. working or something and I was working in that studio Barney's studio that had a whirly and I saw that on his story and I was like I sent him a video of my whirly that was doing exactly the same thing and um and I think we kind of connected over that and then uh and we just got in the studio and we, and we and that song Crescent Moon came out of the first session I think it was practically aside from the production was the song was just done in that first that first day we met which was uh it's cool man I love yeah James. no he's Great wicked guy. and you yeah I absolutely love that song. I think it's really, really, really cool. And it's like got such a great, it's got such a memorable chorus, you know, so cool. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I, I mean, a lot of that, you know, James wrote the top line and pretty much all the all the lyrics for that. So, I mean, we wrote the top line together, but a lot of, yeah, I mean, it's mostly James. Yeah. So all, all credit where credit's due. I mean, James is a legend. You obviously play guitar and piano. When you're writing on guitar, do you find that you play different things to when you're playing piano? Do you find the harmony varies? And do you find, what? how does that change? Yeah, well, I think there's just natural uh, limitations that both of the instruments have that do provoke different ways of playing. Like, you know, you can't bend on a piano. You, you can create kind of like false bends yeah. and pseudo bends on the piano, but but like you actually can't. And so, there's, you know, there's, there's like very practical things like that. What I've been trying to do more recently is to play the same on both and, and, and try to rely much less on the practical things that are easier to do on each instrument. Uh, and this is kind of what we were talking about before. I'm just, I'm trying to like let my emotions guide me in an improvisational setting yeah. or, or in any setting, to be honest, ra rather than the, like the way the instrument is built. Cause, cause yeah, I find, I, you know, especially on guitar, like I'm not particularly proficient. Like I can, I can play a lot faster right. on piano. And so I always find myself, like, especially early on, just like, it was just a, I could just show off better yeah, yeah, yeah. on piano, like when I wanted to show off. And I can't do that. I couldn't do that as well on guitar. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely play differently, but I, I don't want to play differently. It, it, it doesn't make me feel good that I play differently. Really, it should all be coming from here, right? I don't know. 
That's cool. No, I mean, I, I play a very, very small amount of guitar, but the thing I love about guitar, and it's actually someone who I'm interviewing very soon on the podcast has got this really cool uh, phrase. I don't know if you know Pete Churchill, but he's like an amazing um, kind of jazz educator guy. He's really Royal cool. Academy, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's really, really wicked. But he's yeah. got this thing he talks about, which is called guitarmony. Okay. There are certain chords that you'd play on guitar that you wouldn't necessarily naturally play on piano in the same way. And the way notes hang over... Yeah. when you're changing chords on guitar that they don't necessarily on mm. piano and i just i just love that i think that's so cool and it, it, it's so true that whenever whenever i'm writing something on guitar or i'm playing guitar i'm thinking actually i probably wouldn't have done that if i was on piano that i would have found a different yeah. way or it would have been slightly more angular or i don't know do, do you find mm-hmm. that yeah for sure um i definitely i definitely do um and i suppose that's the that's the beauty of yeah. it right that's why you, you you play a different instrument you, you you're you're gonna get different stuff out of it yeah yeah i suppose i kind of take back slightly what i said yeah there is there's like definitely nice parts about the limitations of each instrument and maybe i'm even thinking about it wrong maybe it's not even a limitation it's it's actually the other way around maybe i should think more glass half full and and there are just things that guitar does way better and there are things piano does way better and and i think the the best instrumentalists for me are like the people that really work within those yeah boundaries you know so when when do you actually listen to music do you have like a playlist that you listen to every day do you use spotify radio how do you find new music um uh, yeah it's a good question i think i I haven't found much i haven't found much new music in in a while to be honest i'm I'm trying to think i think yeah sometimes it comes from like spotify playlists sometimes i'll check out new music friday and see what's on there but um i'm not usually a fan of a lot of it and honestly, these days I've just been listening to a lot of artists that I already know I like and just like checking out their new releases. I've, 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 I struggle to find new music that like excites me. Um, I don't really know where to look. Have you got any, yeah. <laughs> you got any advice well, on that? Where do you go? Spotify radio, for me, I know Spotify is, uh, how can I explain it? It's not exactly musician's best friend in terms of (laughs) all the royalty sort of side of it but putting that to one side I do use Spotify and I really I think the radio feature if you find a track that you really like the fact that Mm. you can then go and click Spotify radio and it'll show you all of the tracks that people that also like that track listen to I found some absolutely like amazing music through that yeah been like and like you follow them and then you it it does it's a bit like YouTube it's like if you train your algorithm on those things like my YouTube Mm. because I subscribe to so many channels and I've got into like liking videos because I've realized that actually just means that more videos like that come up for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means that every time I go on my YouTube now, because I've done that two years, it's like a treasure trove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. there's so much stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I want to watch that. I want to watch that. I want to watch that. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with Spotify. And I think it's beginning to learn what I like. And I'm actually finding that a lot of my playlists are quite, I'm like, oh my God, these are apps. It's like a playlist of bangers. Um, mm-hmm. It's just quite interesting. That's how I tend to do it. But it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I, I don't actually know. Do you find like a lot of stuff on Instagram sometimes? No, no, no. Sometimes, you know what? I, I found some artists I really love through Instagram ads or like TikTok right. ads. Um, oh, you know what, actually? No, I find a lot of people through TikTok when I, when I have it on my phone. It's a dangerous app to have on your phone. I, Would you I, take I, it pers- off? Personally, yeah. yeah, I delete it. Like every, I, I, I have it for like two days and then I delete it. And I go through that cycle like every two months because because it, it's just it just ruins my life when I, when I have it on my phone. But like I found like a lot of good music through there. Like I found this guy Kamal through there. This girl S I E. I really like. I found Pink Panthers through there. Yeah, I really like TikTok for finding music. Actually, I think 
it's the same thing as like what you're talking about with YouTube algorithm. When you when you start liking certain like vibes of music, I don't know how the hell it does it, but it just figures no, out what, what your crazy. musical taste is as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's insane. But yeah, honestly, I think like while I'm making music, the more music I consume, the 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 harder it is to make more music weirdly and I, i'm i'm starting to realize this in the last couple of months to be honest because i i have like a kind of a ritual of like going in the bath and just kind of like listening to music and just kind of zoning out and uh but the more i do that the more i start thinking oh well i should do that in my song but then it just like gives me way too many ideas and i feel like i should especially if i'm going to make something really individual to me i actually need to kind of close music off around me and yeah. really hone in into, into what I think music should sound like because it's just so distracting for me yeah. personally. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So if someone was listening to this and they were like, oh, I'd really like to get into production, I'd like to start off making something, what advice would you give them in order to be able to do that? Um, well, I, I suppose the first thing is like, do you really love music? Um, if, if the answer is no, then I don't know, like maybe don't bother maybe try doing something else like I feel like that's honestly the biggest thing for me is like if if you don't get such a joy out of listening to music and if it doesn't like affect you uh, emotionally you're you're gonna like you can you can get into production and it'll, and it'll you know you might have a good time but I think eventually it'll start to wear you down that like you're not really enjoying what you're making yeah. that much and you're kind of just doing it because you want to do it so so I think that's the first thing but if you really do love music and you and you love like producing and stuff and you get a lot of joy out of it i think honestly uh just just like just try and make a beat every day i mean everyone says that it's really boring advice but it is like pretty like practically good i mean there's some people that say like oh make 10 beats a day make 20 beats a day like i think that's terrible advice because they're all just going to be terrible if you if you like, i think if you just try and make something every day that you can pour your heart and soul into a bit and give it time and give it space and and listen to it the next morning and and just and 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 see what you like how does it make you feel what do you actually think of that thing you made yesterday and if you still like it then just keep going and and maybe finish it um but i guess like practically um you know just i guess just download i use ableton but you know download logic or cubase or I don't know, whatever you want to use. Whatever, and yeah. and I would just I would just go on YouTube and just search like Ableton beginner walkthrough and then like find the longest video you can and just like and just go through the whole video and try and learn the software. And then as soon as you learn the software, like just start like playing stuff in and just follow follow your emotions is what I'd say. Is there a chord that makes you feel something? Just put it in a song. If you feel something from it, there'll there'll be someone else that probably does. So so that's, I think that's what I'd say. Awesome, man. So good. I always ask this to everyone who like comes on the podcast. Is there something you haven't done yet that you're like, oh my God, I would love to do that? Ooh. Um, well, I'm making an album at the moment. So I'd, I'd like to finish that eventually. I started working on it like this time last year. I'm, I'm not as far along as I'd like to be. So I'd like to have that finished by the end of the year. That would be great. Uh, yeah, I'd love to just, start doing shows again um this year has just been a big year off for me i haven't done a single show 
haven't made much music I haven't done many sessions it's just been a very like insular process for me where I've just been like thinking about creativity a lot so I'd like to just actually have a product <laughs> to yeah, show yeah, yeah. For, for, for all this stuff I've been thinking about and, and hopefully I just you know I'd love for it to pay off you know I, I don't I, but the thing is I don't even know what paying off means for me you know I'd, I'd, I'd love for my current fan base I have to really like it I think that's that's what I'd like and I don't know. I've never released anything on vinyl except for an EP I did a while ago with it was like a collab EP, but I'd like my own vinyl. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to get become like a much better musician. It's all very vague. Is there something you'd like to be able to do on piano that you can't do yet? You're thinking like, oh, I'd love Ooh, to be able to play like that. Yeah. I think I need to actually like I'd really love to just understand the bebop language. Cause I, I kind of do it, I do a very terrible like fake version of it where i'm like blagging my way through it where i've i learned like one bebop line and now i just like play it in every key but i only know one i'd really love to just study charlie parker i think that's piano wise like i'd really love to do that like people that play inside the changes really accurately um i'd love to like have that skill under my belt i'd i and i'd love to just generally be a better soloist on every instrument it is quite hard for me. I, I like like comping and I like making little piano parts. You know, I've always yeah. enjoyed that. I think as a producer, that's something I've had to do to, in order to make beats, but I've never really properly gotten into like the soloing etiquette or whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I'd, uh, yeah, I want to, I want to get into that. That's wicked. Oh man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where, whereabouts can everyone go and check out your music? Uh, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on any, should be on any streaming service. Uh, there's like a bunch of videos on Instagram that I have. If anyone wants to watch those, those are kind of fun. A lot of those videos will be on the new album that that will come out next year. Uh, there's like some beats on SoundCloud. There's this thing called 100 Sketches that I did. So yeah. you, you can check out that. Wicked. I'll put links to all those things in the description. Connor, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thanks so much for coming on. Mate, likewise, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Catch you later. Bye. Thanks so much to Connor for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation. So many insights into his journey so far. He's doing so many incredible things and I can't wait to see what's in store for him next. Thanks so much for listening. I've put a link to Connor's Instagram in the episode description as well as a link to a live version of Crescent Moon with James Smith. Go and check it out. We'll be back next Thursday, but until then, do remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.